Today's unashamed alcoholic guests are Jason and Mikey from the podcast Knockin' Doors Down. Knockin' Doors Down podcast interviews celebrities and people from all walks of life, including yours truly, who have faced challenging times and overcome it. Their podcast guests include Charlie Sheen, Caitlyn Jenner, Kelly Osborne, and so many more. I highly recommend it if you're looking for a new podcast. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jason and Mikey. Jason, Mikey, thank you so much for joining me to chat on the Unashamed Alcoholic today. I I love your podcast. I love knocking doors down. I love the people you get to talk on there, the the stories they have to tell, but just your your stories on your own. Like you each have your own stories too. So I'm super looking forward to hearing a little bit more about um, your backgrounds and what got you into this. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, thank you for having us. It's, for, uh, it's our pleasure. And, and, and likewise, of course, to be you're here. on our podcast too. So we appreciate you. Yes, this is sort of like our, our mutual podcast uh, conversation <laughs> day. It's, it's wonderful. I'm so glad we could arrange for this. Um, like I said, you both have sort of your own reasons as to why uh, you are, you know, felt connected to this podcast and to doing, doing this line of work. Can you take a minute to share each sort of like your background, what brought you um, here today? If you, if you're sober, if that is part of your life, you know, what, what it is that has, you know, that connection to knocking doors down. Me first, you first, you first. All right. I'll go first. (laughs) Um, Well, I have a background of, uh, of addiction in, in my family, both sides have lost family members to it. My father um, himself, an addict. He's uh, over 20 years sober now. Wow. Um, but I grew up with that childhood stuff. And it, and it was that day and age of where it just wasn't talked about. I mean, I even remember going to, I thought about this not that long ago, to the Betty Ford Clinic. My dad was there. And, I, and the next thing I know, I'm having a conversation with Anna Nicole Smith, who, of course, you know, Wait, uh, ended what? up. What? Wow. Yeah. I think I was 14, 15, something like that, and didn't wow. even realize for, for a bit um you know and unfortunately she was in a terrible place but it's really sweet in my experience but there was never any wow. of that that conversation post any of my dad's stints in rehab mm-hmm. of of like things that you talk about that, that uh you don't have to drink mm-hmm. you don't have to do drugs mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a part of your your you know your 20s and um i really didn't start drinking until i was of legal age you know i'd had a sip here or there but i was a guy in high school that got drunk people home if i went to a party oh um but once i got to uh to college my last two years i started working in radio while i was going to college and so it started to be like okay i'm no longer you know the rock for mom or there with my mom uh, you know who who was you know looking back really kind of an enabler of things but i get it mm-hmm. she didn't want her husband to die mm-hmm. uh you know the father of her sons to to die and thank goodness for her because my dad's still here and without her grace and love he would not yeah. be um so, you know, for me, it was kind of wasn't really a problem at first. If I didn't want to have a drink, I didn't have a drink. But there was a certain point in life, probably mid, late 20s, where some of the trauma from my childhood came to maturation. Hmm. And I didn't realize it with the choosing of my relationships. Um, unfortunately, my kid's mom and I, we had some some tumultuous times with our relationship get along great now, best of friends, but there was a lot of different triggers. And I think for both of us, and it was that there, that term trauma bonding going mm-hmm. on. And so there's a lot of masking insecurities, the pain, uh, never dealing with those traumas and um, a bunch of other stuff that, that all of a sudden the alcoholism kind of just got worse and worse and worse and worse until mm-hmm. Until I, after my divorce was, I tried to confront it within my marriage, but didn't take. Uh, and then after the divorce, uh, you know, my drinking resulted in some legal problems, a car accident, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, had a DUI attached to it. And because mm-hmm. I, I walked away from the car accident, because uh, it was a, less than a quarter of a mile from my house. So I walked home, but my phone was thrown somewhere from the car. Uh, I got incredibly lucky. You see that the car, it looked like somebody died. Wow. I was so fortunate. So uh, I was facing some jail time. Fortunately, I, I was able to not. Um, and, uh, you know, but probation, all those things came down. The financial stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. between a destroyed car and everything else, I'd say I was out of near 10 grand because mm. of this. Wow. And so 
kind of the first road post that divorce and trying to figure stuff out. And even then it still took me another two and a half years to really start working the, the program at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so fast forward a couple of years after that, still working in radio. I've now moved up where I'm running a, a radio group. I'm um, the operations manager. So essentially below the GM overseeing programming and uh, Carlos Fierro, of course, and we've got his book coming your way. Um, bumped into him, chance thing. He had had a 13 year cocaine addiction, been sober 14 years and so many great things between his foundation and his clothing brand that all benefits its foundation and these programs. Uh, He said, uh, Hey, I got something I'm working on. You're always talking about these podcast things that you do for fun. I'm going to call you in 30 days in classic Carlos fashion. Call me three hours later. (laughs) Like uh, I'm going to tell my story of addiction. And I know that, you know, you're doing the work there. Um, what do you think? Do you think you can start a podcast where you talk to people where it can help them um, huh. in, in the area of addiction, mental health, um, you know, trauma and everything else? And, I, and it was kind of the, the God shot I was looking for because mm-hmm. I wanted to do more with my life. I just wasn't happy with my career, my place in the world. And sure enough, uh, yeah, there, there you go. So we're just over a year old now. And uh, wow. You know, continuing to grow. I hope that was short and sweet. I know Mikey's bored because he's heard this shit over and over, but I want to give people the nuts and bolts. No, that you, you hit on everything really important. Do you talk about your, your sober time? Like, do you talk about the the amount of time you've been sober? Do you share? Um, Sometimes, sometimes it depends upon the the conversations that we're having. Uh Um, You know, most people don't, don't really ask because I've had, intermittent times of sobriety where I've gone two years white knuckling it and oh. you know, this this pandemic is really really a tough thing so mm-hmm. fortunately a former guest has become my sponsor and that's really helped keep me on track wow um yeah so I love it's, that it's that's uh, great it's a it, you know it's it gets less of a struggle you know as a, as we all know as we build yep. more of a life and things yep. like that so you know it's uh it's de- this has definitely helped me as much as I think Mikey agree. It can be fucking taxing mentally and emotionally oh, at times, but it can be very draining. It, it keeps you going. Yeah, so. absolutely. And like you just shared, you know, your story, every time you, like we've talked about every time you share your story, it helps you, but it also helps someone else. Cause they'll be like, Oh, like I didn't realize, you know, that you didn't have to have this happen or that happen or whatever to think I might have a problem here. So no, I, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. You're up. I wasn't expecting it to be that quick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So as far as me, my, uh, my grandparents, they, they were the very old school, come home from work, have a drink, have some cocktails, all that. My aunts and uncles kind of followed in the footsteps with drinking, um, still do, but it's not like if you were to ask them gun to their head, are you an alcoholic? They would tell you no, Uh but you know, they are. Uh And um, it's cool. It is what it is. I mean, it's not cool, but you know, that's their decision. It's not mine. So where I'm getting at with me is I I have a very addictive personality, Uh you know? So if it's like, whatever I do, I want to do the most of it, you know, tattoos, you got to get covered if I'm drinking. (laughs) You know, well, drinking is actually a different story. No, you're really there. controlled. So when it comes to drinking, yeah, I can have two drinks and not, not need 10, 20 or 15. There are times where I do, but I don't, I don't need it. My thing was cocaine oh. and um, I loved, I loved cocaine, like just everything about it, except how I felt the next day. And, um, you know, I was younger, skateboarded. I loved rock and roll and all that stuff. So <clears throat> the people that I looked up to did all that Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so like my favorite professional skateboarders my favorite musicians it Mm -hmm. was all sex drugs and rock and roll Mm -hmm. so I had um that to look up to and I also wanted to be like them I wanted to look like them so there was a couple years where I was actually bulimic as well because I wanted to be skinny like them and all that you know so those were the footsteps I chose nobody pushed this on me this that's what I chose Mm -hmm. and um you know, it was extremely unhealthy and I acknowledged it, went to rehab, turned it around because my mom, I'm a huge mama's boy. I love my mom. And she told me, she sat me down before rehab and said, you know, when I was pregnant with you, I did everything in my power to keep you as healthy as I possibly could. And to see you doing what you're doing 
mm-hmm. just kills me. And when you hear that from your mom, like if it were anybody else telling me that, I'd be like, dude, fuck off. You don't know me. <laughs> but when you hear it from your mom, it was, well, for me, because like I said, I'm mama's boy, it was just like, that was enough right there. Mm-hmm. And that can be, some people could think, okay, so you went to rehab for your mom and not for you. It's like, uh, it worked. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who I went for. I did it and it worked. So do I still have a couple cocktails every now and again? Sure. But as Jason knows, I can have one or two and then that's it. I don't mm-hmm. need to have any more. Um, but as far as cocaine, drugs, all that, you know, was out. And, you know, living in Los Angeles, I thought every day was going to be like a Van Halen music video. <laughs> but um, it wasn't. It got very dark. You know, L.A. is this big huge city but it could also be very lonely at times mm-hmm. and like you know we had a ton of friends like we hung out with coworkers and all that stuff but it was just I wasn't doing anything productive with my life mm-hmm. so I came back here started working for the uh 5150 that Carlos Fiera runs and um I was the district manager for an energy drink and this pandemic hit and I took a week off, okay, because, you know, at the time I thought after a week, we'd be good. And this whole thing would be past us <laughs> as far as the pandemic. So when I got back, later. when I got back from my vacation, uh, they said, hey, started a mental health sobriety, overcoming adversity mm-hmm. podcast. Jason's going to be the host. I want you to be on it too. And I was like, rock and roll. And the rest is history. Wow. What go. a great story. I love how that's just like, it came together like that. That's such a great, a great story. It just feels like it's, you know, meant to be for both of you that you're, you're, you're doing this, that you're part of this. Well, and it helps. We knew each other. We knew each other beforehand too. So when they said Jason LaChance, I'm like, Oh, I I love that guy. Yeah, let's do it. Or if you're like me, La Chance. La Chance. La Chance. Are we, uh, Hey. Well, we just annoy the shit out of each other. You know? That's why what he's saying when we're like, okay, what's your story? I'm like, all right, I'm going to go be over here. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> back in five hours, minutes. <laughs> when the hour's up. <laughs> so do you talk about like your sober time? Like, do you keep track of your days or anything like that? No, no. In all honesty, no, I just don't do it anymore. That's it. Oh, that's you interesting. Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't. And um, I did rehab. I did the 30 days. I, mm-hmm. I have a million things to say about my rehab. I thought it was, I, the way they went about it was incorrect, in my opinion, the mm. way they handled us there. I mean, we weren't like abused or anything like that, but um, it was just very um, unconventional. Oh. And enough said being that that facility isn't even open anymore. They mm-hmm. closed their doors. Mm-hmm. And um, a thing that really bothered me too is I'm Catholic. I, um, I pray every single night. You know, I, I very much so believe in God and they were very, very religion based. So like right when I got there, when did you lose God, brother? When did you lose God? And I went in there with the chip on my shoulder because I really didn't want to be there. So I figured if I get into a fight with somebody, then I get kicked out. So that's better than me just quitting. I'd rather be kicked out than quit. So they were like, when did you lose faith, brother? And I was like, first of all, I'm not your brother. Second of all, I never lost my faith. I've always much so believed in God and still do. Like, don't tell me that I lost my faith, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of, that can go on a whole nother hour because I (laughs) had a lot to say about it. I won't say their name, even though it doesn't matter. Because like I said, they shut down, but Mm -hmm. still. Interesting. What's the the language that you both use around, I guess, to describe your past, your present, your addiction, whatever. Do you say you're, you are sober? Do you say you're uh, an, an act, uh, you know, a former addict, an alcoholic? Like, what's the language that you use? Jason, alcoholic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Start every start every share and every meeting I'm in, Jason, <laughs> alcoholic. And when, mm-hmm. yeah, whenever anyone asks, because it's not that I didn't try drugs a little bit here and there, it just wasn't my thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I think for you know, looking at my ism, I ha- it helps me to identify, to go into any meeting or in, in conversations mm-hmm. like this, um, you know, to much like you do, just incredibly own it, put it out mm-hmm. there because I've, I'm uh, completely unashamed by it. I'd be ashamed if I was still drinking and using. Yeah. But now, no, in this state, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that. And anyone else that be it be it if they're hearing this and they're 35 seconds into their sobriety, you know, they just decide I'm going to put it down. They found your podcast and here they go, or if they're 35 years or whatever it is. So no, I own alcoholism. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yay. (laughs) Unashamed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
I'm unashamed as well. I feel like everything that I've done in my past has led me to who I am and what I'm doing today. So I have zero regrets on anything like, man, I wish I'd never done drugs or man, I wish I'd never done that. Like, no, everything I did brought me to where I am today. So how I would describe myself, I don't know, because I would not describe myself as an alcoholic at all. Drug addict, I mean, even that sounds like a bit much. Substance abuser. I abused it. I abused, yeah, maybe a past abuser of substance, maybe. That would be a good way to say it. But (laughs) And it definitely led to some legal uh, yeah, yeah, stuff, for, sure. for sure. Definitely so got into some legal stuff. It was either oh, yeah. jail or rehab for me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't go to jail. I get my hair cut once a week. I can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't be doing this. I will all be so unkept in there. I just, I can't do it. So for rehab it is. Reason. Yeah. Rehab it is. Yeah. I think the interesting thing though, uh, Becca, and working with Mikey is because he's had a rehab experience that when we've talked with people that that is the process they've gone through. I personally haven't, I've only had, you know, like I mentioned, my dad, mm-hmm. who's amazing and still, you know, an advocate and guide just to many, but um, that he brings that to the, to the table that differs mm-hmm. from me. Whereas, whereas I'm a get in the meetings, get in the rooms kind of a guy. So mm-hmm. it gives us two different perspectives to really come in and, and speak with folks because we've, we've had the gambit of it. You exactly. Know? And so then, it's, um, uh, you know, I, like we were talking about, I, I didn't, go to rehab and I didn't get a DUI. And I always say that, um, not in the negative sense of like, Oh, like I didn't do that, you know, like shame on anyone who did, but more to show that, like you said, it runs the gambit. You can be an alcoholic and not have had these like, quote unquote, you know, catastrophic traumatic rock bottoms, um, and still say I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I've had enough. Right. And sometimes it takes, you know, rehab or a DUI and you still don't, it's not, it's not immediate that you get sober after that either. So, you know, it's a, every story is so different, which is why it's so fascinating to hear all these different stories. Well, it's like you said, like, that's exactly right. Every story is different because, you know, there are some people who need to work the steps. They need to do this. Otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm going to fall off. And then there's other people to where like the last time I did Coke, I don't know, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I don't do it anymore. You know, do you work the steps? No. Well, do you do this? No. Do you do that? No. And do you you find that like you're white knuckling it? Like, are are you really like, no, 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 no. Cause I've, um, I've, I've been around Coke since I've done it last millions of times. And I just, I I don't have the desire to do it anymore. I have anxiety. Can we, can we cuss on here? (laughs) We already have. You already have. It's too, too late. (laughs) My bad. Um, So I have anxiety. Like you have to say a afterwards. I like a motherfucker. So I just, I, I feel like even the thought of doing it again, gives me a panic. I could feel my heart. So it's like, I'm cool. I don't even want to do it at the time. It's like, well, if I'm doing this, if I'm doing that, I got to have a rock in my pocket. But now it's just like, I can't even imagine doing that shit anymore. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's with age? Like, you know, that you with me personally, yes. But with other people, no, because I know people who are way older than me that still do it. So it's just with me personally, age. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I really feel like it's just the desire is just gone. I have mm-hmm. no, re- I mean, yeah, it was fun. I, I had a blast while it was on it. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what I said in my rehab. They're like, well, why'd you do it? I'm like, have you ever done Coke? <laughs> It's a fucking blast. Like, that's why I did it. I have a, I had and still do have great parents. I had a great childhood, mm-hmm. nothing bad to say. You know, I thank God there was no like trauma as a younger child. And I, you know, my parents mm-hmm. were, people are great. I just fell into it. I, mm-hmm. I just fell into it. A friend did it. I did it too, liked it and just hit the ground running. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, 19 through, cause I'd started drinking at a very young age. I started drinking. I remember the first time I ever got drunk was off Jack Daniels and seven up. And I was probably around 12 or 13. Oh, wow. At a wedding. And my mom was sitting there. My mom's very social. She was sitting there talking to somebody and she had this drink here and she would take a little sip and put it down. And I'm a little kid, just like I had some, and I'm like, Oh, this is good. So I drank the rest of it and I put it down and my mom would be talking. Oh, can I get another please? And then put it down and go back to talking. And I'm sitting there just pounding it. And I walk into the bathroom and my dad's there. We're at this wedding. He goes, are you drunk? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you dumb son of a bitch. Food and go sit by your mom and don't do anything. And I'm just like, all right. But like high school, like me and Jason were the opposites. He was the one getting people like me home. Mm-hmm. I was hammered all mm-hmm. the time in high school. 
Mm-hmm. We'd show up to school stoned, all that crap. Like I was, in my opinion, your stereotype high school kid, you know, drinking, smoking, ditching, all that kind of crap. Right. But luckily for me, it wasn't a dark hole with alcohol. But hmm. maybe that's how cocaine was introduced based off of the people that I be. Oh, no, I don't even want to say based off of the people because the people that I hung out with in high school, I still do to this day. And they're all doing great fantastic yeah. jobs all yeah. that kind of stuff so we just so saw some of them but some of that group is sobered up oh yeah some of them we actually had one of my best friends in the whole world on here uh chris opinski yeah. he was on there and um he went through a very dark hole of drugs but he he turned it around and he's going on what eight years sober yes. now wow oh he's doing he's doing great he's got a beautiful family beautiful job like all of my friends who i partied with and all that came out of it mm-hmm. you know some fell into addiction but they all got it back together so great do you, do you think like you did you you smoked weed. Like, did you say that you smoked? Yeah, weed? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you find uh-huh. that that was a, an addiction too? like, cause yeah. there's a lot yeah. of different stories because I, I watch these YouTube videos and of, of people who are addicts and being interviewed and they they'll say, he'll be like, what's, what's your drug or whatever. They're like, I don't, I'm not doing anything right now. I just, well, I smoke weed, but like, who doesn't like, it's like, it's a, this throwaway one where people yeah. don't consider it. It's like so back and forth with marijuana. I've seen it to where people have gone that I've known it's, it's let them down that dark path mm-hmm. or they're just, or just, uh, they were, they were fucking lazy to begin with, you know, um, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I've seen people that I, that I know and I'm close to that use it simply for a pain management as an alternative to opioids. Um, you know, so there's a lot of those different things. I know for me, I went to college for seven years. Uh, no, I don't have a doctorate. (laughs) I just didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. Um, and it was kind of a casual thing at at any point for me, it was casual again, drugs never were like, I mean, alcohol was casual for me too, but I did it every day. You know, like I find that it's funny because the people quantify or they say like to describe marijuana, they're like, oh, it's like a, we don't, you know, it's not considered like a real drug. It's like, it's just a, it's just a thing I do, but people drink every day too. But that like, what's the, what's the difference? Like it's the. I, you know, it's a, I talked to, um, Deborah D. Giovanni, who's a, a comedian and, and she, mm, yeah. she stopped drinking, but her thing that she says that she celebrates her really recovery from is marijuana because, and she talks about how it, like it wound up being that she was drowning, you know, it's that slow, you're treading water, you're treading water, and then you're just going to go under from it because marijuana is not like heroin where one shot's going to kill you or something like that, or more meth where you can see, you know, visually see the deterioration. Uh, it's a slow decline and it's a slow decline into isolation and, you know, and sort of just the depression of it. For me, I smoked weed for many years and didn't think it was, (laughs) I mean, I didn't think alcohol was a problem either, but like, I didn't think think weed was a problem because it was just like, it's a throwaway thing, right? Like that's what everyone considers a throw That's you won't, it won't cause you any problems. And, but I noticed that as I got into my thirties, it was giving me like real panic and anxiety smoking weed. Like I couldn't rely on like this batch was going to be good or not, or what it was going to do to me. The reaction I began, and I think it's in my old age that I started having these reactions to it because I was getting more anxious and developed panic attacks and whatever. So I just like, I had to take that, take that out. But I found it was easy to take that out, you know, despite my addictive personality taking weed out of the picture was fairly easy. I mean, I kept drinking, so I still, (laughs) it was easy. It was easy to take weed out. And let me tell you my, I've always, here's my thing with weed. It's like, I, I never, I, I did it because other people had it. I never bought it myself because I didn't care that much for it. Like Mm -hmm. if somebody was like, Hey, I got something you want to smoke. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. In high school, as I've gotten older, it's gotten less and less like when I was in college for two weeks, I did it. (laughs) Um, and you know, it was when I was in Los Angeles, I smoked when I went to bed because it would help me sleep. That's all. But I never smoked weed to like, go be social because I'm your stereotype. I I don't want to, I don't want to talk to, I personally hate weed. I don't like it at all, but everyone's, well, not everyone, but a lot of people say it's a gateway drug. I, I I don't agree with that whatsoever. Weed's not addictive. If you want to get more high, then you smoke more weed. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a gateway. It's a habit it, and you're not addicted to it. You're addicted to the habit of smoking weed. Mm-hmm. You know, your body doesn't fiend for it. This is just what you do. After you eat, you smoke a joint after you 
do this. You smoke a joint. And before you go to bed, you smoke a joint. So it's like, oh, my body's addicted. No, you're, you're used to this. This is a habit for you. Mm-hmm. It's not an addiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's why in my opinion, and it, yeah, this is all my opinion. Um, and why it was so easy for you to quit because it's not an addictive drug. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know what I mean? Like if I were to quit smoking cigarettes, cigarettes was the hardest thing ever. Cigarettes was harder to quit than Coke. Cigarettes and, were harder for than almost the same to me for me as, as alcohol. Yeah, oh. it, it's hard. So like when it's weed, it's like, well, it, you know, you can't, you don't get the same high from weed as until you search for heroin. And I feel like <laughs> a lot of misinformed people tell me that. And I'm like, no, if you don't get high from one blunt, guess what? You smoke another one and yeah. then you'll be high. You yeah. know what I mean? That's I, how it is. I, I think people, you know, we end up going down roads that we go down. And if we try to just, we try to just go, okay. We're not unique in our addiction and substance abuse, but we can be in the path that we got there because mm-hmm. we got there. So mm-hmm. for me, you know, I've definitely seen people as far as marijuana that they can be some moody son of a bitches when they're not smoking it. So I have seen that <laughs> adverse effect and I even mm-hmm. caution some friends that like, I'm not telling you to go smoke it. I'm telling you that whatever it is that it's reacted now in your brain, that you're a little, you're a little moody. So mm-hmm. it's almost like I've seen people to a, a, an extent fiend a little for it. Um, so I, I think everyone with any substance has to, you know, mm-hmm. you can be cautious because you, because you don't know any of these things were changing a chemical reaction in our brain and everybody, like you said, for yeah. you, anxiety, I know I have a friend that if she were to anxiety through the roof, uh, you know, a panic thing for me, it was that when I did, I was the guy that was like, all right, let's see a box of captain crunch, watch a silly movie and go to bed, you know? So we it all is so different that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you, you can know. say the same for moodiness with people who haven't had their coffee yet very true you know I mean, what i mean like it's just it's it's their habit it's like every night for dinner i have a protein shake if i don't have a protein shake for dinner that night my my whole routine is thrown <laughs> off so my mood's a little different that's why i don't call your ass in there exactly so <laughs> my mood's a little different so like weed could be the same for you know i need to have my diet coke every day if i don't have my diet coke my yeah. mood's thrown off yeah, you know, yeah. So. and you know, it's a, the ha- it's like like you said, it's a habit. We're very much creatures of habit. And I think in Absolutely. when you've overcome something, you've eliminated something. You know, we're very for me, I'm very focused on now what I control and what I have in my day and what I have to look forward to. And you know, like co- the coffee, the whatever junk food I I take pleasure in, like all these little things. I I need that because that's what I can now control. So you know, sure. to have you know, you put that. You, you're basically switching out one thing for another. You know what I noticed is that I don't, I don't need to smoke weed in order to eat a box of Captain Crunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Captain Crunch bomb. I could do that without weed. That's uh, pretty shit. sharp on the, the, the gums though. It's very sharp. Oh spread. yeah. The top of your mouth is screwed after a bowl of Captain Crunch. <laughs> I and I, I had a gum graft, so I'm not gonna, I, I've, you know, I can't put that in danger because that was horrible eating mush yeah. for a week and a half. Uh, oh, you guys, yeah. your podcast is so phenomenal like who you speak with you've spoken with caitlin jenner and charlie sheen and the situation like mike sorrentino i just it's it blows my mind the amazing people you have on your show and and the stories that they tell and like i you know i've said to you before it's always so interesting you can have the biggest celebrity in the world and they'll tell you their story of um addiction sobriety recovery and you can find something uh, to relate to in it from, from your own story, which I think is, is the key, right? That it doesn't matter who you are. We can all still take sort of a similar journey or we can, I, we can all be impacted by addiction. So, you know, you're, you're the, what you're doing with the show is, is fantastic. The message that you're putting out there. Um, who's been your favorite guest? I have favorite guests and then I have most impactful guest. Oh, favorite yeah. is no delays. Is- Don't think. Uh, Kelly Osborne was awesome. Mm. So by the time this is out, Kelly Osborne would have, you know, yeah, was your biggest impact. Biggest impact for mm-hmm. me personally? Mm-hmm. Probably me. Charlie. You can say me. Becca, yeah, Becca for sure. <laughs> That's what this is all set up for. My my name is supposed to be both of your answers. No, so I'm gonna have you go looking for my uh, go looking for my ancestors up there in Canada. Yeah, I'll be I'll be editing this anyway to make it my name that you both. Right. Said. Becca for both. Becca for both. <laughs> um, yeah, Kelly Osborne, favorite Sheen, impactful. Uh, oh, I like that. We, we talked to him twice. Yeah, my 
favorite was definitely Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. the second time. I, I mm-hmm. love Charlie Sheen. I love Kelly Osborne. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody we've interviewed, you know, like they've all just been not one disappointing. They were all fantastic. I love all of the guests. Like they, it was just a great time. But I feel like my biggest impact wasn't from a celebrity. Mm. My biggest impact was from a guest we had by Chris Jensen. Mm-hmm. He was so fucking good at just getting through. Cause I told him about my anxiety and how mm-hmm. bad it is. And he, he knows me, we're, we're personal friends. Mm-hmm. So when we were talking about it, I told him, I said, dude, right now where I sit today is the best I've been in a long time. Like my living situation, financial situation, everything is good. Mm -hmm. It's great. But why the fuck am I having the most anxiety now? And the way he put it was like, when you were going through all of the crazy stuff you were going through just a couple years ago, not with substance, but with just other things, Mm -hmm. your, your body was fight or flight. So now your body's coming back and saying, whoa, dude, we have a whole bunch of shit that we haven't processed yet. And the way, I don't know, just the way he put it was just like, oh my gosh, that makes so much Mm -hmm. sense. So Mm -hmm. I can go down the list. Like every celebrity you've seen on our queue that Mm -hmm. we've interviewed, they're Mm -hmm. all, I love them all. They're all great. Love. They're all my favorites, but impactful Chris Jensen for sure. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then after you've taken time to absorb today. My name will be. Oh, uh, Becca. Well, Becca, we already said Becca, that. Becca's Becca, the first. Becca's Becca. the first. I mean, all my second favorites are. Oh, secondary to that. <laughs> but it, you know, it's like interesting thing is, uh, you know, he was talking about uh, his friend, uh, Chris Opinski, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, came in locally well-known in our area. And that really kind of helped the local community uh, go, wow, wait, what are these guys doing? Plus mm-hmm. I had, uh, you know, in the midst of moving, lost my AA book, you know, hit him up on social media. He's like, I got an extra one. So, you know, it's, it, it was the first sign to me that, uh, oh, wow, you know, this community is going to get a whole hell of a lot bigger for mm-hmm. us. And now, you know, we've gone to rehab facilities on tours when we've, when we've traveled to, uh, to the LA area mm-hmm. uh, to do interviews, you know, we're, we're talking with people that are, experts in the field that I'll, I'll, I'll talk to directly, be it a text message or a phone call here or there. And so we're at the amount, you know, there's a great organization in Fresno that, that we've kind of tied in with that, you know, the gentlemen there that have been through it, that they work with people, they have a facility that they come and, you know, further our education. So, I mean, that's invaluable as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mm -hmm. but I'm a huge Charlie Sheen fan growing up. So that was cool. (laughs) But and then Kelly Osborne, I actually, you know, having worked in rock radio, bumped into her when I think she was about 16, 17 backstage one time and to see where she's at now, yeah. as opposed to then that I think she was a little shit housed. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's awesome. You know, yeah. and she's total sweetheart. So she that was, was so sweet. That was really cool and very encouraging. Just thought it was awesome. And we were the first people she spoke with about her relapse. Since her relapse. Mm. So, you know. Those, those things where people who choose us to be that vulnerable, yep. you know, Charlie talking about when he found out about his HIV diagnosis and, and just really vulnerable and, yep. and, you know, like, all right, let's do this again. You know, that's why I said that my, the second time we talked to him was my mm-hmm. favorite. I mean, he was, he was an absolute delight both times we talked to him, but the second time it was like, we really, we dug deep into stuff, you know, right. we got the. I'm a huge fan of this movie. I'm a huge fan of that movie out of the way the mm-hmm. first time. So mm-hmm. the second time we really got to dig in a little deeper. I mean, it's just so amazing. Like when I see, uh, you know, who you guys have on, um, I'm definitely jealous, but, uh, I, you know, I, I have to in recovery work on my character defects of, uh, of jealousy and, and that just to think that, okay, maybe these people wouldn't come on my show yet. Uh, but they're putting their message out there somehow. And the point of this is that they're sharing, like they're being vulnerable. They're sharing their message widely um, about their struggles, their, their successes, you know, in, in addiction and sobriety and mental health. And, and it's going to help somebody, right? Like that ultimately that doesn't, that's what matters. Like who cares? I have to think like, who cares if they, they say no to me, (laughs) 
you know, the point is that there's stories out there somehow. And that's what matters is that someone else with a big name is talking openly about this. And ultimately that's the goal, right? Is to continue to, to say these words, to say that language, to normalize this conversation. That's what, that's what the purpose is, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I was in sales, so being told no, it's nothing. To me. <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm, we get a lot hard. of no's too. It's, it's really hard to get those the rejections. It's really, I take it very it, personally. For every celebrity you've seen on our show, ten have told us no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh well, that makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, and yeah. we and we've even had the ones where it's like, yeah, I'll do it, and then we're excited, and then yeah. like five days later, it's like, nah, I changed my mind. Yeah, oh, I'm over okay. It over right. it and it's just like okay well no. I was gonna say like what's the hardest part about you know doing this so you know just I that like that makes that's that's hard for you but it makes me feel you, don't, you learn to not get excited for it you yeah. get excited for it when you get to the destination yeah. yeah you're still not excited for it yet you're excited once you see them walk in and sit down then it's like okay we're happening so I'm not that's something I've now. noticed that you guys do you go to the people so you like you, you, you you've yeah. traveled do you, were you doing that during in the last year like during the pandemic like how are you how did this affect your interviews and your and your oh yeah we went to Philly during the pandemic and that's when we talked to Mike Sorrentino and uh-huh. Ben Margera um that was with Novak yeah that was in the pinnacle of the pandemic uh-huh. yeah we went in uh, September yeah I think yeah, it was September it was of last to, it was year. Close to Thanksgiving. Not that I'm a stalker, but yes, I concur. That's when it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so I was a wreck on the plane with my Lysol wipes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was, you know what? And I, I give him a hard time, but I know what he's going through. I have an idea, that, you know, people that I've been close with that have that anxiety and yeah. the germophobia. Not that I don't try to maintain being clean, but I'm not the captain wipe down everything and do all that. But yeah, if you were on the ride home. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Let me get some Lysol wipes. I'm like, nah, uh, fuck you. (laughs) What were you you doing? Like COVID tests all the time in order to do this? Oh yeah. We were getting tested all the time. Yep. Tested all the time, maintaining a distance, all that good stuff. Jeez. You know, masks on until, you know, the interview started. Uh, Shit, I wore two in the airport. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He was doubled up, man. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you're a little more cautious and, and people obviously wanted that because, uh, you know, Mike, the situation is awesome. I mean, he's, you know, if we tag him in a tweet, he retweets uh-huh. it. He'll, you know, he, he, he'll, he's been just great. Mm-hmm. Um, there, a lot of people have just been phenomenal. They all have. Um, but, uh, you know, he was actively shooting Jersey shore. So uh-huh. he had to be extra precautious so, you know, those kind of things where we had to really do our checks and balances just as any other production would because we're coming not with just audio equipment, video equipment, you know, traveling across the country. That was uh, that was a pain in the ass, yeah. uh, you know, and then and we cold fr- and cold <laughs> and we frequent L.A. too. So, you know, it's where a lot of folks. Excuse me, I apologize where we go and uh, speak with them. Um you know, we have to go through that same process too and, and really, you know, mine our P's and Q's, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's added a few layers to it for sure. And with Mike, you could see that we, we were distanced, mm-hmm. like even during on the YouTube and whatnot, he yep. was six feet yep. away from us. You know, when we said hi, it was an air five or like a very, very light knuckle tap followed by, you know, the hand sanitizer, because like I said, he's in production right now. Yeah. He cannot afford to get sick. Right. You know, so. We're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So outside of the pandemic, what's the hardest part of uh, this job? Because this is your full-time job, right? Is it? Is it? Yep. Oh, yeah, yep. full-time. Um, um, I would say is that uh, you don't know what you're going to get with someone. Hmm. So for me, I don't get excited until it's done and I go, awesome, that was great. Yeah. You know, because... Uh, uh, Did you have to learn great. that the hard way? <laughs> sometimes I think 20 years of radio I knew it ah, you know? right I, I expected it coming from doing a lot of interviews um and you know Mikey he's the the booking guy he's he's that work it I do the audio and video side of it so that's challenging but I'd have to say is because we're so vulnerable and you try to mm-hmm. uh, not sit there in a in a conversation like this protecting <laughs> yourself arms crossed you're opening yourself up there's mm-hmm. many times where it's like you know, we needed a day of, of just like laughing or chilling out or, um, you know, we'll try to do fun things where if a guest is coming and there's any sort of documentary around it, it might spark a question that 
all right, let's take that two hours and do that because we have to check our mental health. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know for me during the pandemic, thank goodness got back in a, in a, in the program and working that because it was like, I was having some really, really bad, really bad days, mm. you know, mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Uh, because this stuff can be taxing. You, you, you know, you have a lot of empathy for people. So for sure, I think, I think that area, I don't know, Mikey, you, yeah, no, it's definitely the same because I, I love what we do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love the job. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, getting the message across to people who need to hear it, want to hear it, all that. I feel like we're doing a great thing, but at the same time is um, like Jason said, checking our mental health because yeah. when we're in it 24, cause it's not a nine to five job. I'm on the phone all the time as is Jason, you know, right. we're always, you know, doing this, this and that. Um, talking about anxiety and mental health and all that mm-hmm. 24/7 mm-hmm. really wears on your mental health mm-hmm. and your anxiety so i feel like that would and i, I don't want to call it difficult but if i were to pick anything that would be the most difficult i guess Trailer. but that would probably that would probably be it you yeah. know i i just but like i said it's not to the point where it's unbearable or hard. You know, we just need a day. I, I just need a day. Like I'm going to take today. Let's laugh, dude. Let's yeah. we'll work, but let's, you know, let's go get lunch. Let's just, you know, unwind. Let's just mm-hmm. chill a little bit mm-hmm. and regain our marbles. Because like I said, talking about it all the time, it's great. And I'm glad we're getting the message out, but sometimes I need a mental break. Yeah. And then, then we'll jump back into it tomorrow. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Totally agree. It. Totally agree. Um, how many interviews do you, do like do you have a limit of how many you'll do in a week or like or a month like uh yeah it depends on you know especially with with folks of um you know that have a busy schedule you know if they're not in in the field themselves um but geez we've done we've done like seven in two days yeah we've done seven Yeah. Was it that many in two six days or seven? We wow. did, I think it was yeah. like, like six and 48 hours before, you know, put them in the can, so to speak. Wow. But, uh, I think we've, we've pulled that back a little bit. Uh, you know, our uh, mm-hmm. last, uh, you know, we had a good six and seven days recently and, um, but it really depends. It depends. Sometimes we'll, we'll be like, okay, let's take a week or two off. Cause yeah. we need to get you know, people don't realize, you know, but the amount of work we, uh, that goes into an interview, because not only do we, of course, have the audio uh, channel for knocking doors down, but the YouTube channel as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. putting that stuff together, mm-hmm. making sure we have the right sponsors that, that are in there, um, you know, continuing to try to build uh, the business to, to uh, you know, our, a lot of our, our funding comes from uh, Carlos Vieira's, uh, his foundation and, and his clothing brand 5150. Mm-hmm. That's our mm-hmm. sponsor. So you know, and trying to learn the business of podcasting too, to, you know, get this thing more self-sustained. Um, and so that we can offer more uh, to, to charitable organizations and through his charity. And so it's, it's a lot of stuff to figure out when it's, when it's all you do. I know. I know. And now, you know, you're just what you're saying there, that just sounds like that he, great plans, big plans, exhausting, you know, for sure. And, uh, you know, as someone who's doing this as a, um, completely a hobby with no sponsor and just me figuring out how to edit my name into what you say in your answers, you know, it's very, <laughs> it's, it's so time consuming. It's, 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 it's hard. And sometimes you go, what's, what's the point of this, you know? Um, but you, then you get like these messages here and there from listeners and it makes it all, it all worth it. I was going to say, what's, the, what's your plan? Like what's the, the big picture of the next step uh, for, for the podcast? Uh, well, we want to continue to, of course, uh, grow, uh, build more, more awareness, you know, and people sometimes when they go, Oh, these people talk about addiction and mental health and trauma that they think, oh. and then they listen and like, wow, you guys have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, is it, uh, we continue to expand that and get that out there to people that, that grow the audience um, and hopefully get more aligned with, with um, rehabilitation facilities and stuff along that, that line that, sure. uh, you know, that when it's, when they want something that's real conversation mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of the fill I always want knocking doors down to have is, is like it would be 
in an AA meeting. I know you only do women's groups. I only do men's groups. Uh, I just find I can speak more vulnerable there. Mm-hmm. And it's really the connection that I need um, because of some of my my stuff is is uh, is a bond and honesty with with men. Um, is for people to have that feel, even if they're not struggling with addiction, but they're mm-hmm. kind of curious. Of what, what are those honest conversations like? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, really getting it out there, trying to continue to grow the audience. Uh, you know, if the whole world wants to listen, great. If it's, uh, you know, 50,000 people, awesome, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and really kind of turn it into its own. If we're working with brands that they really align with what we're doing and we have a passion um, about their products and, and we believe in it and know that that too can kind of be of benefit to people. So it's really in addition to helping creating a, a, a self-sustained uh, business here, um, which is a challenge in itself. So mm-hmm. I love uh, that. Have, has it been impacted by the pandemic in, in a way? Do you feel like you have more listeners because of the rise in substance abuse or more, you know, potential for listeners because of that through the pandemic? I feel like through the pandemic, we've actually, we've been very fortunate because a lot of the celebrities and stuff that we get to talk to are available right now Yeah, because nothing's in production and whatnot. So, and yeah, I think through the pandemic, a lot more people are listening to podcasts and I see all over social media, somebody recommend a podcast, somebody recommend a podcast, Mm because that's what a lot of people are doing right now. So to answer your question, yes, I feel like through the pandemic, it's, it's actually benefited, not us, but just podcasts in general. Yeah, like a lot podcasts are it right now. You know, I mean, yeah. Something statistically like there's a new podcast every two minutes. Uh, oh my you know? god! It was less than that. In 2020, there was a new podcast every 30 seconds. Yeah, there's over mm-hmm. a million, I think, indexed on Apple alone now. So you know, uh, th- and that's the other thing that's a challenge too is is uh, is breaking through. You know, we're we're not uh, we speak with celebrities from time to time, um, yeah. but we're not celebrities, so it's that challenge of. Of, of breaking through there too. So as you know, yeah, you know. like why, like you know, you've got to make people not want to just listen to it because of who you have on, but because of your dazzling personality, you know, and what you have to contribute <laughs> too, right? Like it's got to keep it interesting and fresh still with with your your own stuff. So you know, it's and geez, when you say those numbers, like that is scary competition that's out there, <laughs> but not everyone will last, right? Like not all these ideas are long-term or they don't have the stamina to go that, that long or people were home and now they're back to work. Um, I mean, that's why I have, I started this cause I'm home. I have the time to do it when I don't have the kids with me. So, you know, uh, the plan is to go as long as people will chat with me. So, yeah. You know. Well, not to mention there's podcasts about everything. Like there could be podcasts about office chairs. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite office chair? I like the black ones with the mesh, you know. You know they what? Have, there should be a podcast, podcast about everything. That the prop, I, there might be a podcast. I haven't checked. Um, Hall and Oates. There should be a podcast. Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, yeah. Uh, if there's I, not, I should be starting it, but I do that, not have the time to add another podcast. I was about to say, if anything, you could do a Hall and Oates one. I'll, I'll even think of a clever name for you, too. I I'll, mean, I'll the, really, on. the only reason I would start it is so I could interview them. Yeah. Podcast and Oates. All the reasons. Podcast yeah. and Oates. Pod, yeah, pod and Oates. Yeah. Pod so. and Oates. I like that one, too. Yeah. So it's going to be me and John. I'll have to get him on board with this, though. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm thinking in that grand scheme, though, like you were saying, a lot of people, they think, oh, my God, well, Joe Rogan's getting uh, making whatever millions of dollars a year. I can do that. And then they get like six or seven in and realize the work and they disappear. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, I, you know, just to just to get sponsorship as a nobody one like I am. It's it's I mean, just the work that involved is involved in that is daunting. So I haven't even gone down that road. Do I have the numbers for per episode to warrant that? Probably not. Um, but it's, it's something I have to think about if I want to continue this. Right. So, yep. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it for sure um, that people don't consider uh, just the amount of work involved in each one. But uh, like today, uh, I've just spent the last, you know, two hours having a really good time and, you know, chatting with human beings, which I've so missed a human (laughs) connection, you know? So, you know, that's what, when you have those days where you talk with someone who 
it just flows really well. I mean, I really hope you feel the same way, but that it's good, you know, that you have those conversations that are just so natural. That's, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the biggest name or the wildest story or whatever. It's just a conversation that people will hopefully enjoy listening to. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's been so many of those that, uh, in addition, of course, to yourself, uh, but uh, like Butch Patrick was great. I loved Butch Patrick. Uh, Eddie Munster. From the, yes, from the yeah. Munsters primarily where he's known, but he was just the easiest. Just here it is. It flows. It was no beating around the bush. I and, loved Butch Patrick's interview. <laughs> yeah. The, the best are the ones where it's okay. They share their story. Of course, there's dark times. We all have them. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, you're like, fuck dude let's go like the day is great this person left you feeling awesome and that's kind of the goal we go with with all of them that we try to finish up that like yeah this is a bright thing people this isn't a exactly yeah Yeah. i mean that's that's a big thing people often go like oh you just must be suffering and you really really want to drink and you really like no, uh, you know, like I, you know, life's fun and like, it, you know, hap- for the most, it's not all rainbows and unicorns and sobriety, but like, it's a lot better than it was. And it's not bleak and dismal. Like you think, because I, I can't drink, you know, anymore. Yeah. Like it's much better. Yeah. yeah. And sure. now I have the tools to manage the ups and downs a lot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I no longer go, well, everything's going great. Let's party or yeah. everything sucks. All right. Let's well, I drink. guess I'm yeah. <laughs> Like, now you have to deal with those feelings and you have to navigate through that and feel all your feelings. So yep. hard. Well, thank it you is. so much guys. I just, I, you know, I really loved chatting with you and getting to know the, the, the faces on the other side of the, the, you know, these interviews, because, you know, you have some really big names. So you have some like fantastic stories that you tell. Um, but I've loved just, you know, hearing more about your personal stories too, and getting to know, to know the, the guys behind the podcast, uh, and, you know, who I, I will not say obsessively follow online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. I'm always there. <laughs> uh, we follow too and listen to your stuff. You're awesome, Becca. This is, it's, it's been a real pleasure to, uh, to connect with you. And, and again, uh, you're doing awesome work there. And um, you thank know, you. I, I, I enjoyed it. It hits my feed and I'm a listener of, of your work as well. So it, I love it, it. Means a lot. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I had such a great time speaking with Jason and Mikey. We talked for a long time, actually, before and after this interview. I learned a lot from them and I appreciate hearing their own background stories. I took a lot away from this. I hope you did too. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.